Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, Ambassador of 805 Connect, and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman & Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. And I want to thank our podcasting partner, Polestring Press, for this great studio. So, Mark, how are you? I'm doing great. Mark, we've known each other, I'm going to guess, somewhere 30-ish years. That sounds about right, yes. Right? Since You're, the 80s. Well, you you are the founder of Rincon Beach Club and Catering. Is that the official name, or is it Rincon Events? What is it? I, it kind of Well, we've sort of uh, morphed over the years as we've yeah. grown and become more competent. So it started out as Rincon Catering. And then we built the Beach Club, which is our own banquet facility in Carpinteria on Santa Claus Lane. I love that place. And so then it was Rincon Beach Club. Right. And then as that had matured and started to gather its own steam, um, we've done more event planning, more big picture productions. And so that's the Rincon event. So Rincon Catering is still there. Yeah. We still have lots of programs for folks for drop-off yep. menus and simple to complicated. Um, and then we also have the Beach Club. My wife, actually, Carol, actually runs that. And she does about 50 weddings there and about 50 wow. social corporate wow. events. Now so it's the, a busy schedule. The Beach Club, that venue was the reindeer room. Reindeer room. For those of you uh, <laughs> who follow regional history, Santa Claus Lane. Now, now, Mark, what's interesting is uh, we have listeners from 42 countries of the show, right? So uh, get out your map, listener, and look at Central California, look at Santa Barbara, and between Santa Barbara and Carpinteria, right on the coast, is a little uh, commercial zone that's is it even a quarter mile long? Actually, it's a little bit more than a quarter mile. If you walk from the corner to our front door, it's just under a quarter mile, and it's about another couple hundred yards to the end of the street. So it's a short strip of land that was developed in the 1950s uh, to be called Santa Claus Lane. And all of the little shops there were Santa Claus themed. In fact, there was a, a 30-foot Santa uh, up on top of one of the buildings, but the main very nice uh, steak, surf, and turf restaurant was called the Reindeer Room, right? Yeah, it had been there for a whole generation. That road, the, what Santa Claus Lane is now, used to be the highway before the highway was oh, built. Oh, was it? Before the freeway was built. Oh. The old concrete is still there. No kidding. Yeah. So, and, and what's the mythology? I mean, you've been there. As, <laughs> so what's the mythology of why Santa Claus for that area? To tell you the truth, I don't Does anybody know. know? I don't think anybody if someone, knows. I think if it was someone just who's listening th- knows, let me know. It was just one of those 50s yes. themed sort of let's attract people. There was a date, date shakes shop, and there was a, at one time I think there was a gas station there. Wow. When we moved in, there were only two, three ongoing businesses. And, um, it and was now pretty, it's vibrant. Oh, it's. Every, oh, my gosh. There's little shops and wonderful little restaurants and great surf shop, and um, now you don't you're you don't have a restaurant, so you're not open for a drop-in. But there's the Padero Grill right there, and then there's a little, uh, 
what is what's that little shop right in front of where you are where you can get some food? It's a garden. The Garden Market. The Garden Market. Mm-hmm. There They're you go. Run by really nice people. They have very good food. It's a nice environment. You know, Mark, you. Um, I'm thinking back 30 years ago when I was with Wayfront because a big part of your business is corporate. Corporate Very catering, large, right? yes. And we would uh, challenge you to do our big holiday party every year. And I remember, um, I, the, the one I remember the most was uh, you found us uh, an empty mansion in Montecito. Oh, my gosh. That's so long ago. I know, right? It was great. I love that. And, you, and we had, I don't know, a couple hundred people. And um, what we did was we had a dessert competition amongst everybody. And so everybody made a dessert and brought it. We thought that would be fun. And the guy who won the Technical Achievement Award did this jello that had um, 50 layers. And it took him a week. And he set his timer. And each, when the timer would go off, he would pour in two millimeters of jello on this in this big glass. And it came and it was this whole striated stack. It was fantastic. But I've got so many great stories from that. Tell us about what's different on corporate catering than all the other stuff. What is, how is that different than like a wedding or other kinds of celebrations? Well, weddings are a whole niche all to themselves. Yeah, yeah. I wanna, and I want to talk about that. The emotion, the passions, the individuality um, take a special hand. Uh, and take a special bonding, actually, because you work with a corporate uh, a wedding client for what sometimes year, as much right? as fifteen months. Yeah. Um, more often than not, you know, nine yeah. to twelve months. So you actually create an understanding of who they are, what they're looking for, um, how to bring their dreams to life, mm. uh, and so that has its own life. I mean, right. that's corporate has many different iterations. Um, my favorite is when you develop that relationship like we have, like sure, I have with a number of sure. companies around town, where you get to know the folks in a different way. Right. Um, some of those relationships are over the decades. Uh, Pacifica Graduate Institute, Sansom Clinic, mm. Bishop Diego. Uh, we developed a relationship with the Santa Barbara Zoo, and now we do all the events at the Santa Barbara Zoo. I, you know, I, you invited us. It was, what, four years ago maybe? It's four or five years ago, even, where you had that relationship with the zoo and you invited all your clients. And there was that huge um, event at the zoo, which was a fantastic venue, right? That was nine years ago. Oh, my God. Okay. That was a celebration of our oh, 25th anniversary. That was so incredible. And so I, we went and uh, uh, we, we took the in-laws and, and we said, oh, this is going to be fantastic. And we saw my daughter, who was working for you at the time. She was working that event. It was funny because the servers would come up and make sure we had things we needed. And I said, well, who's in charge here? And they go, oh, Melissa. Well, what's she like to work for? You know, we were just, <laughs> they didn't know who we were. And it was really funny to kind of to kind of rib her a little bit. Is she a good boss? Do you like working for her? And uh, in fact, you catered um, our wedding. Mm-hmm. which was fantastic. And then Melissa was a wedding planner at the time. So it was interesting to have your daughter plan the wedding, but be at the wedding, but also making sure there was adequate shrimp cocktail <laughs> <laughs> to go around the place. Um, I want to I want to ask, uh, stay on the weddings for a little bit. Santa Barbara is, um, and this region, 
is a destination for travelers from all over the world. I mean, tourism is a big part of that. You know, we've got the cruise ships coming in now all the time. What's the, uh, tell us a, a story of a, the farthest away someone has come to have a wedding here that you've been in charge of. Oh my goodness. I've had families from India, Scotland, um, Chinese families. Really? Now there's a connection here. Usually the children getting married, if you will, yeah. are, you know, have gone to school here, have lived in Southern California, Northern California, but it's very typical to have family members coming from all over the world. Santa Barbara is an amazing destination. And there's so many different facets to um, what they can do for their wedding weekend here in Santa Barbara. So and all the now, wine so do tasting. do you do all that? Do you help them plan that whole weekend? It depends. Again, we, like any other service, we have different levels. I have some clients that I take care of everything right. for the whole weekend from setting up rooms, transportation, uh, all their activities. And a lot of clients, I just take care of that day right. um, the for color. them in the field. Right. I'm mostly in the field, so I go to people's homes, to the wineries, um, all around that Southern California. That must be California. so much fun. It is great fun. Right. I, I, I mean, our listener knows I'm a chef and, and, you know, been in hospitality before I got into software. And I think my favorite part of that is the meeting people. I mean, it's the hospitality industry. It's all if you don't love people, that's the wrong business. Well, that is the core <laughs> of it. You said it. Hospitality. Right? It's, it's everything. You can be. I preach to my staff and have for decades. We can have the best food in the world. And if there's we're lacking in hospitality if the guests and their and the clients and all the people involved are not made to feel completely welcome and taken care of then that food is almost unimportant sorry to all the chefs out there but uh it's it's it has to be balanced having been a guy who is in the back of the house there's the back of the house and the front of the house and the front of the house gets all the love and the back of the house does all the work um not all the work but i mean but, but you're absolutely right Let, let's stay on hospitality what was really interesting for me because i i helped build five restaurants in town and i i ran like off-campus food service at the university and i chefed at pepperdine i you know that was my life for mm -hmm. a long time and then I go into technology and I go into software and people are like, how did you do that? That's a different story, a different show. But what was interesting was bringing a hospitality background into a pretty cold business. Technology, software tends to be cold. And I, I got so much feedback over the years from people say, you're so different. Your company is so different. And I like to say it's because of that background in hospitality and why don't you speak to that a little bit? Do you think that that focus is a transferable thing to every business? Like if every business was to think about that, how much better they would be? 100%. That's the focus, if you will, of how we teach our staff, how we go about our business. It's all on the nature of hospitality. You can, we are so tuned to our phones. I love podcasts. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's in so many ways, it brings us closer to things, but it's also that impersonal yes. communication tool that doesn't involve that personal relationship. 
And that personal relationship is what we're based on. That's what I enjoy. I love food. I love wine. I love putting together events. We love decor, flowers, the whole nine yards. But really, to have people come up to you and thank you individually, not knowing even who you are at the event, and say that they really had a good time, that they were made to feel welcome, that they enjoyed the staff as well as all the other elements. That says a lot. And the division between, you mentioned back of the house, front of the house. It's been my mission since I opened my first restaurant in 1984 to break down that barrier. Mm. And that's why we refer to our team as Team Rincon, not the front of the house, back of the house. There's not the competition. You regularly see front of the house staff helping in the kitchen during the week or actually at an event. And it's very, very common. It's actually it's regular practice for the back of the house to go out and serve. Kind of roam? Well, not roam. We have what we call action stations. Oh, right, And people right, right. love this. That cooks are, the chefs are actually out in the dining room right. finishing and cooking products right in front of them, and they get to interact, and the, the staff love it. When we first started doing it, the, the cooks were like, well, I don't know. What do I say? What do I say? Right. Exactly. Right, I'm so right. uncomfortable. I don't want to be right. in front of these folks. And then all of a sudden, they're vying for those spots. Now you can't shut them up. Mm-hmm. They want to be out there with I the love guests. That. They love that interaction. They love seeing the looks on people's faces and getting that direct response right? of, oh, this is so good. I just made this. You just ate it. You just said thank you. How could it be any more fresh? Right. That, that, I think the thing I missed in software was the instant gratification you got mm. from like cooking. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to, my last cooking gig was for the Jesuits. And I wouldn't know what I was going to make. I'd walk in and whatever the spirit moved me, you know, I would make something. And I knew that by noon 05, I was going to put a smile on someone's face. You know, and they'd say, God, the bread is great or the soup is great. And in the software business, you didn't get that for a year because you create some software. And it's not until a year that someone goes, oh, my gosh, that is amazing what you did. Um, So I, I love that that part of it. You had said, you said something about that meeting people in person and the disconnect we have with the phones, mm-hmm. right? And te- how technology has distanced us. I was just reading this morning, actually, the email is one dimensional. Having a phone call is two dimensional and seeing them in person is three dimensional. And I had never heard it put that way. It doesn't scale very well, but I think the quality, the percentage of, of uh, satisfaction you have from that three-dimensional encounter is so much better. So let's help our listener right now. I like to ask our guests the like things in threes. So if they were trying to uh, create a, a, an environment where we were more hospitable, <laughs> but we had a, a, a flavor of hospitality, what would that look like? So it could be any kind of small business. What would be the three things that they could, they could if they were going to have a staff meeting today, you would tell them that would improve their hospitality? Well, I, it starts with desire. Okay. You have to actually want, deep down, to make people happy. Okay. I just I do a series of staff training. It sounds so sounds so rudimentary. It's like but I don't know how many I've been in the restaurant business for 40 years. Yeah. 
and I don't know how many people I've come across that they don't actually like serving folks. Really? Sure. And they admit that? Oh, absolutely. Well, you've you well, worked. You were in the business. How I, many times did somebody come back into the back of the house, or after work you're having a beer, right? We've all gone out. Yeah. Well, when we were younger, more, but yeah. <laughs> in yeah, those yeah, early yeah, yeah. days, you'd go out drinking after yeah. work because it takes it sure. takes hours to wind down after, yeah, uh, yeah, especially when you're younger. And uh, you, you'd, they'd spend hours complaining about their guests and complaining about what they had to do, and you knew kind of instinctively that some folks just, they didn't belong. Yeah, this is your last paycheck. Yeah, you don't belong in, in <laughs> right. this business because so, it's not in your heart. So it's genuinely wanting, to, it, it's, a, it's a, you want to make people happy. That's what it is, make people happy. You have to have that internal desire. And so every, th- that works in every business. And we're not talking about service. We're just talking about putting a smile on people's face. Well, any small business requires that deep down passion for what you're doing. And you are a great chef. That takes a passion. You have to want to be in the kitchen. You have to want to find those extra bits of flavor that are hiding in the soup or the sauce sure, or the bread. Sure. And you have to want to knead that bread or whatever the elements Whatever are. that thing is. So figuring out what that is and helping, having that deep desire. So what would be the second thing we would, if we were teaching a class on hospitality to non-restaurant people? We have to practice. Have to practice. What does that mean? I don't know. Get good at what you do. It's if we believe in what we're doing. Yeah. And we go out there and we interact with folks. We're going to find out what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. What we think they want to hear isn't necessarily what they're hearing. Ah. How many times have I? taught that to salespeople. Because, Give me an example of that. Um, you get on the phone and there's that two-dimensional. You mentioned, I like that one, two, three-dimensional right. aspect of it because what we do is three-dimensional, an event, sure. serving people, drinking, cleaning up, setting up, all those things. When you get an email and an inquiry for someone who wants to possibly have your services, that's like you said, it's one dimensional. The phone call is two dimensional. But when you, um, where was I going? <laughs> when you can invite them to. When they come. actually come and visit yes. with you, when you yes. sit down with them and you practice your spiel, you practice your sales pitch, um, you get that immediate feedback. You get that encouragement from them, seeing their smiles in the field by Practicing, I mean, being willing to adapt what you're doing. Mm. If you make mm-hmm. your curry soup and it's too spicy and the bowls, I'm sure you were taught that you have to look at what comes back from the dining room, right? You bet. You bet. You know, so the empty bowls tell you something and the bowls that only have a quarter gone tell you something else. It's a wonderful soup. You love it. But it just has a little bit too much spice to it. Uh, I'm, you know, you mentioned that and I'm remembering that. It's you, people don't always do that. Look at what comes back from the kitchen. And, and metaphorically, let's extend that out, right? Just whatever it is in your business, think about what's coming back that, that didn't get consumed, which will help you. I, which reminds me that uh, I was a chef at Westmont, and we had, uh, I think we had 1,200 students we had to feed. And the sh- the, I was the sous chef when I started, and, and Chef Grayson was just because they're here eating in mass doesn't mean mean that 
we can't serve them amazing food. And so put that in your head right now, Mark, mm -hmm. you know, that they deserve a great meal, even though we only have $2.65 to feed them. <laughs> <laughs> they deserve something great. And so that's about giving. But stay on, on practice. So that, that's kind of like getting in the reps, right, and rehearsing. We, we do, um, you know, do a lot of public speaking, and um, Kimberly does a lot of public speaking, and she spends an hour every day doing one of her four talks and just kind of working it, working it, working it. And, you know, I think the value of rehearsal is so big and huge. I don't think we do it enough. No, we, in fact, the, young, uh, the younger generation oftentimes doesn't even think it's necessary. And, you know, we learned from folks, they taught us, so um, that practice element, that rehearsal is key. Now, in the restaurant business and in the catering business, we don't get an opportunity to actually practice. We can't afford... You don't get a do-over on the wedding? You don't get a do-over, <laughs> exactly. So you always have to be refining. You always have to be looking in the mirror and saying, what could we have done better? And it can drive certain staff crazy. Um, it drives my wife crazy because we're always trying to find where, where's that extra little bit of flavor? Where's that extra mm -hmm. little bit of service? Mm -hmm. How could mm -hmm. we have made this with the same effort or maybe a little bit more effort? Always mm -hmm. that extra sure, little sure, bit sure, of effort. Sure. That's what comes through practice. Right. It's like, oh, we could do this. And the greatest part of practicing and refining is that you can do actually a better job with the same effort. And it is through that last step. I, I teach a seven-step design, pro, creative problem-solving, and the last step is the evaluation. Stop for a second, look at how we do, how we did. We had um, a Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann on the show, and he was Special Forces. He calls it hot washing, and that's a military term. And they do it immediately after some action, not even an hour later, immediate they get together, they huddle, and they hot wash. How did we do? What do we do? How can we do it better? What do we learn? And because they, their next engagement might be in 20 minutes, or it might be next. And so, like, what did we learn? So do you have a practice of hot washing, doing evals with the team after an event and figuring out how it went, how can we do better? And I know you're probably tired because it's like, oh, my God, we, we spent – however 15 months planning this thing and it all comes down to a day and we've served them and now we've cleaned up i'm just tired i just want to go take a shower <laughs> it's a it's actually a constant process actually oh, okay. it, and again it can drive my staff crazy because i'm even writing things down or sending out emails during events mm. and going oh we missed the mark on this we oh. we could have yes we could have no added one noticed an extra it, but you did well, I guess that's my um, character flaw, if you will, is that I'm always seeing those things and driving. Well, that's, what, try that's leadership. Don't, that's not a flaw. <laughs> that's leadership. <laughs> right? Trying to make it uh, – <clears throat> Tony Robbins calls it um, continuous and never-ending improvement, mm -hmm. C-A-N-I, right? And so if, if you have that as a core value, so listener, listen up, right, you're – Constant, like you just said, you're constantly trying to improve. You've been doing this 32 years, and the thing you do today is could we have made one uh, – I like to set the bar mm -hmm. low – 1% better. 1% or one guest. Mm. 
the training session we just did last week is like if they go through the dining room yeah. in their section, because unlike some catering companies, we actually divide the room. We actually have restaurant-style stations okay. in our uh, dining room or the guest dining room. And um, if they can f- seek out one person, and that's all it is. They just have to find that one person that they're going to help right. with their meal. Because when you're serving 150 or 500 people all at once, it's, just another plate, another it's plate, very easy plate. for them just to get lost. But if we can find that one person who was lost and find them and help them, whether it's they're a vegetarian or they don't have, can't eat cream or they want an extra glass of water, whatever it is, maybe they drop their fork. Such mm-hmm. a small sure, thing. Sure, sure, sure. We have to, we're going to eat our dinner at an elegant event and we dropped our fork. There needs to be someone there. The smallest of things, give them another fork. And that's an opportunity to build a relationship, mm-hmm. right? We, we look at, um, you know, our, the other part about us is, you know, we're martial artists. And so <clears throat> we look at everything as an opportunity to train. And we've learned that from one of our grandmasters. And anytime something happens, anything like it's, you'll make a comment, gosh, it's really cold. He goes, that's an opportunity for us to train. Like what? How do you how do you do that? How do you see that? So we we have the the first one is is desire, right, and passion, which is you know really want to make people happy. Second is practice reps, and we kind of came to that whole idea of rehearsal, but you know kind of really working on that and, and evaluation. So rehearsals at the beginning, evaluation at the end. What would you say in our in our course on hospitality would be the third thing that you would advise? Imagination. Imagination? Huh. What does that mean? I mean, I know what it means, but in this context, what does that mean? Well, in the world of food, from the back of the house, the kitchen side, there's always all these new things that can be done. Mm. The, The world right now is filled with all sorts of restaurants and chefs that are pushing the envelope. But how do you take some of those ideas, how do you take the the client's ideas and translate that into their menu, into their experience. And on the, um, the general event planning side, how do you envision, imagine um, their dreams and bringing it literally to the table, literally to the dining room? Everybody has a different Every single client. And again, this goes to hospitality. Some businesses, like you said, the software, this is what you do. If you want what we do, here it is. If you want, you know, editing software, then this, we have editing software. We don't have software for Uber or podcasting. Um, In our business, we're always having to take what the client wants and make it into something. Kind of conjure Condra, that's a great word. Yes. Right? Because I, I think of, um, I, I remember chefing at the Jesuits, and I had a, um, a group of nuns were there for the weekend, and they gave me a hand-drawn thank you card after when they left, which was, I wish I could find it because I'll never forget it. But there was a picture of me dressed as Merlin juggling <laughs> fruits and vegetables, and they called me the kitchen magician. And that really stuck with me because I'm also an amateur magician, and I and I you thought do all about all sorts of things, don't you? Oh, I, yeah, I just just because I'm old. Uh, I, I uh, yes, I'm interested in a lot of stuff, but I love the idea of making something from nothing. I like 
being thought of as a maker, thinking of myself as a maker, this show is a good example. It took something, come up with an idea, and you make it. So the imagination piece then here is listening to the person and going to my improv, yes, anding them. Instead of saying, no, we don't do that, it's, wow, that's a really interesting idea. Now, how would we put 5,000 balloons inside that tent? Huh. Right? Instead of saying no, it's yes and help them create something that didn't exist. Well, no is not, is not part of our vernacular. We, we oh, do not. There's my quote. <laughs> we teach, we teach, we have to find the yes in their question that we can't say no to. Which isn't always the same as giving them anything they want because it's not always possible. Finding the yes. Is that, maybe that's my art show title, but I, I so give me an example of finding the yes. I, lo I love that conceptually, I'm uh, hashtag find the yes. I love that. Great example. Um, well, the one that comes up all the time hmm. is the budget conception reality Right. Of almost all events. What does it cost yep. to do the type of event that we just saw on um, the Internet, on YouTube or on Facebook? Oh, they saw something. They come in and said, Mark, make, make us this. Make us this. This is my dream. And so how do you take that dream and this budget right. and match them up? At Wayfront, we, I learned the term, and I don't know if this is a term you use, called value engineering. I like that. Have you heard that? <laughs> it's an architect term. So in that case, when we built um, Alias Wayfront, when we built Alias Wayfront downtown, we had, uh, we had a million dollar budget to redo everything we needed to do. And I had a $5 million idea. <laughs> well, that's never ever happened before. <laughs> it happens all the time, right? And so, so the reality is that you value engineer. We know what our value is. We know we want to create a dream. We want to create this incredible experience for someone, but I only have this limited budget. So that's where creativity comes in and imagination comes in, right? It's how do we do those things? How do you, how do you teach that? That's tough. I think that some people either, they're, they're, people are either inclined towards that or they're just the everyday doers, which every business needs. Right, right. And there's those who can follow instructions. Yeah. There's those who create instructions. And there's those people in between who can help interpret that for the two groups. And you've had many businesses. You know that sure. you can't expect everybody, you don't want everybody to be the visionary, and you can't have everyone just be the everyday doers. So there's a role for everybody. Now, some people have that in them, and they just don't realize it. Do you know that that's the difference between a chef and a cook? So a cook follows instructions. Here's a recipe. Cook this. A chef makes recipes. Mm -hmm. Right? That's, in my mind, that's always been the difference. And it starts in your head. It starts in your imagination. Whether it's solving a budget problem or it's solving a flavor problem or, or they're hungry, and I, I, if, I, if you don't feed them now, they're going to go into a hypoglycemic <laughs> incident. And you've, okay, look around, what do I have to work with? Yeah, Yeah, because service isn't for three hours, and you still have to feed them. Right. Um, do you, um, let's veer off into a little bit. Do you watch, um, do you have time to watch things like Food Network and Cooking? I mean, that's, that whole world of food porn and 
videos and all of that is exploded oh, while we've been so in this many business. Shows. Yeah. Do you, do you pay attention to any of those? Yes. Um, my wife's favorite is diners, dive-ins, and drives. Okay. Um, so we, we watch that on a fairly regular basis. Right. But no, there isn't a whole lot of time to watch TV. I know. Um, some of those shows, I think the ones that have timers and the little competitions where they get five minutes or 20 minutes to do all of this with all these ingredients, um, it's the, the opposite of the world we live in because we plan all of our things are right. about being prepared, right, organizing right, right. things down to the last teaspoon and um, going out there in the field and being ready. The imagination, the creative parts take place when there is no pressure. That's when we have our R- best room fun. to breathe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the kitchen crew these days, actually, they did it uh, two days ago. When they're the designated Wednesday afternoons. You should come by sometime. Well, what is that? They're doing all their new recipe testing and all their... Oh, uh, what time? <laughs> <laughs> you tell me off air. Or we'll have the place I'll tell you off, yes, otherwise <laughs> it won't be enough for anybody. But you should come by, yes. But that's when they, they can do that on a... Wednesday is that non-pressure trying of transition day. They're not really in heavy production unless there's something on Thursday. But most things happen. But that's, your, that's the second, which is your, the second thing to learn, which is the reps and practicing. Right, and experimenting and Mm -hmm. playing, rehearsing right there, like, let's try this and let's try that. I mean, I still cook on a regular basis, and um, I've got – I'm a big fan of soups, and so I'll have a certain type of soup I'm trying to do, and I'll I'll make it like every week and just just fine-tuning, fine-tuning, fine-tuning. What's your – I know you love to cook. So what's your favorite thing to cook when no, there's no pressure? It's all about, this is my thing. I like to cook this. Oh, my goodness. I, I couldn't say there's one thing. Uh, I love uh, ribs and lamb and grilling and barbecuing. I always like to try different temperature ranges and different combinations yep. of wood. I love fish. Uh, my wife does an amazing job. Uh, she actually does most of the cooking at home. She doesn't. No, she, how she, ironic absolutely. is that? She's amazing. She's absolutely the best. And um, now when you're cooking for a small audience like you do for your family, yes. you have a chance to, like you say, refine it so that you get those flavors the way everyone likes it. But she's, you stay out of her kitchen when she's cooking. That's how it is at my house. I'm good. I don't need any help. Thank you very yeah, much. Get yeah. out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even the dogs know to get out of the way exactly. when, when Carol gets in that uh, I'm, I'm creating mode. So that's that. And it is that creation piece. I think for, for any, anybody who's listening, if you're a creative type, there's – and I think the people who listen to the show are creative. They're in business. They've created something. They've grown a business. They've done all of that. It's finding something on a regular basis where you get to be creative. Mm-hmm. And I think if you don't get that, if you don't have that in your life, I think you get fussy. Well, you lose, you lose, that, you lose that roundness of who you are. We, we went into small business. We went into business no matter what kind it is because we have that desire, that passion. Yeah. And if we get stuck in the day-to-day and we don't let that out um, – we don't let out our creativity or our passion, no matter what it is, then we forget why we're there. And it's really easy to do. That's I love this conversation because it's reminding me of all the things oh, good. why I love to do this. Right, right. Yeah, because the, the things we love to do, my favorite, uh, my favorite type of cooking is we have our friends over once or twice a year. 
three, four, five couples. Everybody brings something different. Yeah. They bring three ingredients. I don't know what it is. What? We just lay it out on the table. Yeah. We have a big kitchen counter yeah. or whoever's house. Sometimes we'll do it at different people's yeah. houses. And um, my job is to separate all those foods and make three, four, five, six courses. Everyone helps cook, whether it's peeling potatoes or and you don't know what they're going to bring. I don't know what they're going to bring. I bring some of my own secret stuff, and I kind of have some of my bases. One time we did it for a larger group, and I brought one of uh, the kitchen staff, and we just we just have the and best you do, time. What, a we three drink course one. deal. Usually it's f- five, six courses. Oh my gosh. So I just take the food, we divide it yeah. up, ask people what they like, so we yeah. have a little conversation about it, and then we just start cooking. And then halfway How through, it's like, that? oh, well, gosh, I've got some blueberries over here. We throw some blueberries in, or um, can you make it a little spicier so we make the next course spicier? And it's just so How much fun. There's fun. no there's no money exchange. It's improv. It's improv. Ex- yeah. Yes, it's food improv. Right, it's That's improv. That's my favorite my favorite time. I, I, you and know, now that I, I'm thinking about it, I haven't done it for over a year. It's, it's time, time to do it again. It's time. It's time to do so it we've, again. So you should have a list of all the things that we've come <laughs> up with. Um, I, uh, last year I did an experiment, and I ran a, a gentleman's dining club for a year. And each month I picked a cuisine and then did a deep dive on that cuisine and studied the heck out of it. I love research. And so, like, I picked this one region in France, and I picked – India and I picked Greece and and then would have six to eight guys get together and it was kind of different guys each month and they would come in and I, I did a little 20 page book and here's here the 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 concept was uh, five dishes with five ingredients with five steps so it's guy friendly right so you could do that but then I also gave them the shopping list because it's like they wouldn't really know how to do that. And then the prep list, like, okay, if we're gonna eat at six, this is what we'd need to do at three and then four, and by 4.30 we should be here, by five we're here, at 5.30 we're here, we're finishing things off. Then I taught them how to plate and how to make a, because that's a big part of it, you spend all this time. But if it doesn't look good, right? People eat with their eyes, right? Mm-hmm. right? How all, much time do you senses. spend on that? Oh, all the senses. Oh, sure. When I have new when I have new cooks or we're in the field. Yes. Absolutely, you have to use your nose. You have to listen, um, not Tell just me, use your eyes. How do you listen to food? Oh goodness gracious! Okay, so <laughs> okay, good. I got so, you. So, good. Thank you. So you you're teaching someone to barbecue. Yes. Are you teaching? Oh, let's go even more basic. You're showing someone. How would you show someone that the griddle is ready to make pancakes? With for me, I yeah, how dro- would you... I would drop a little water on it if it beat it up. Okay, but I could... but did your eyes? But you can't hear that go to steam and dance on the griddle. You you do. You do when you go to huh. throw steaks on the barbecue. Have you never um, taken if the steak off hit... because it wasn't hot enough? Right, right, right. Because you right, couldn't, right. you didn't. You don't hear. get a sear. You don't get a sear, and the sear is a sound. Hmm. You don't see the interaction between the grill. You see smoke maybe, but you don't see the interaction between the grill and the meat, because it's hidden. The meat's in the way. Yeah, yeah. You're listening. You're right. smelling. Right. So that's full body awareness. And certainly you've been in the kitchen, and you've got your 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 jamming, your short a crew member, and what do you smell? You smell the cookies are done. The timer didn't go off, but you smell that the cookies or the bread are done. 
Right. And you go across the room and the timer goes off as you're taking the food out of the oven. That's happened to you. I know it has. Yeah, happens to all of us. So some of that's that internal timing, but it's the extra senses of the sound Mm. and the smell. Mm. I love that. L- listening, I had, I just hadn't considered that. That oh, makes perfect. Well, I guess with popcorn, you know when the popcorn's ready because you hear it. You can't see it because it's closed. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm always trying to tie these back to general business themes or general how do we run our business themes. So I wonder, and maybe this is something for me to consider those five senses in running any business. How well, in an office situation. All of a sudden, the office goes quiet. It's like, well, when we ha- we you raise kids, how many times has a mother said or a father it's too said, quiet. "It's too quiet. What's going on in there?" It's right. one of those five senses. The same right. thing that happens in the office or in the kitchen. What just happened? That's such a, such a big idea. I want to get back to corporate food service because I know you're looking to grow that part of your business. Um, how do you how do you work with them? Because I'm thinking that the corporate could be delivering healthy lunches. Because mm-hmm. um, I know you do a, you do a lot of that. It can be the special occasions, the holiday things, the the retreats, all of that. The grand openings, the launches of a new product. Oh, sure. Yeah. It, those... Do you get involved in? Um, I remember Linda. Dot com when they moved in their new space they did a kitchen but then you were doing some food for them I believe and do you think about is wellness a part of that I mean do you pitch nutri- it's like not just feeding them but thinking about w- the wellness of the workforce we think about it all the time but I, I don't think we've put as much effort into communicating that as ah. we could I think that's a a uh, certainly a marketing area that we've not Let's talk about it right now. Because food, we were probably taught about the same time. And whether it's colors or how fresh the food is or the seasonality of the food, those elements are ingrained in us in how we design dishes or how we balance menus. And everyone has a different sense of what's good. I have plenty of folks. One of my kids won't eat vegetables. He's an adult now. He admitted the other day, oh, I just don't like it. Don't tell my wife this. I just don't like it when she grills asparagus because I just don't like asparagus. <sighs> Why does she make listening. me eat asparagus and big chunks of broccoli? Sorry, right. Jared. Um, they probably won't listen to this. But that's a great example of everyone likes something different. What, what do they want? How do we balance that and give them the nutrition and the foods they need um, regardless of whether they want them? So do you have that <laughs> conversation? So... Well, no, I know I understand. It's like it's like pulling out the soda machines, mm-hmm. right, and putting in you know healthy snacks and and those kinds of things. So do you have that? Who, who by the way, when you're working with a corporate client, because we have so many big software companies in the region now. I'm just just thinking of tech companies um, who tend to be um, heavy on the benefits side and the amenities games and things like that so providing cafes and food and all of that it's a big deal who do you work with inside the company when you're who's your contact let's say at a company well it's usually one of three people there's usually the um it's the hr department has usually those sort of typical um events the um the holiday party or the, the annual company picnic. Yeah. Um, for the launch parties, 
for the special occasions. Oftentimes, it's the marketing, marketing department. Marketing guys, right. Mm-hmm. And then there's those special events that the executive assistant or the, um, the vice president is putting on that is right at the top. You're working right underneath whoever the CEO or the president is, and they're planning something special, um, whether it's for their board or it's for some special investors or they're doing that extra special VIP, VIP event. Have you it, – it, it is a great idea. I was just thinking that there's so many companies here that have outside board members that fly into the region for board meetings. Do you come in and do like a – catered dinner at the CEO's home, for instance, the night before the board Mm -hmm. meetings, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes they're as small as six or eight people. Yeah, those are fun. I I love those. Well, then you're crafting something that's specific to an individual. Right. You're You're not trying to design a menu for... 500 people or 300 people or a wedding where you have a genet you have to almost keep it I wouldn't say generic's not the right word you have to keep it more generalized so that everyone can enjoy it now you're getting down to someone's very specific tastes well because now we're this is a, another piece of it though is what's the outcome what it, it's tone setting in the case of a pre-board meeting dinner it's casual yet there's a bit of uh, electricity in the air because you know you're gonna have a big board meeting the next day you know all of these people, you like all these people, you've got great relationship, and this is a great time to break bread with them mm-hmm. and have Very that, traditional have that hospitality, that mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's one of the things is that um, with, let's back to our 1D, 2D, 3D, uh, I think of fast food and you know we just we're just shoving food in our mouths as opposed to taking a second to enjoy the communion that happens when we eat, when we have a conversation, when we have a three-dimensional experience, when we take time, and it's such a great opportunity to build better relationships with our clients. We sit down and break bread with them, right? As long as it's gluten-free bread. (laughs) Mark, guess what? I predicted 44 minutes into this, we were gonna come to the time and go, geez, we're all done, and and I still have so many questions. Uh, How do people find uh, you guys? What's the, is it RinconEvents.com or what's the URL? Yeah, Rincon Catering or RinconEvents.com. Uh, events by Rincon. We have a whole bunch you of have URLs. All of we have all those URLs. So if so I do Rincon and Catering in the Google, it, Rincon Catering, you'll take us right to our site. And then Absolutely. people can contact you or one of, you've got some awesome people working there. Oh, yeah. Help. And right. on the corporate side, we have a uh, new member of the team who's oh. doing amazingly oh, well. great. Claire Chesley, she was at the Montecito Country Club. She has an amazing touch with folks. And she has that passion for taking care of people. So she's there specifically to take care of the corporate clients. Yeah, well, I would I'd love to, if someone outside of the region is interested in, in you know, coming here and they've got s- someone they want to w- marry off, <laughs> this is the place to do it. And if someone within the region, now you cover, you, you'll cover the whole 805, right? Absolutely. I have regular clients in Ventura. I even have clients in Los Angeles that will do uh, do one or two events for them every year because they want us to come down and take care of them. So this is the part of the show where our listener knows that I'm going to ask you to help me give a title to the show. So imagine that we've got now 80 sh- shows up on the shelf and they all have a title and, and they've listened to this one, but now they're going to go, they're going to pick one off the shelf. What are they, what would we call this? And I'm going to, I like finding the yes, but that doesn't really talk about your catering. What, what do you think we would call this? 
Yeah, three or four words. Uh, passion for hospitality. I love that. There you go. Because we, we did talk a lot about that because I, what I try to do with the show is because there's so many different industries and so many interesting people, how do we come back to some common themes that we will help connect the dots for them? Right. Mm -hmm. So, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thanks for supporting 805 Connect. We really deeply appreciate that. It's it's through, you know, your and and other relationship that we're allowed to even do this and and have this service here. But that's now extending well beyond the region. So thank you for all of that. And until we eat again. Till we eat again. I like that. Thank you. So um, I want to uh, again thank Mark Borowitz from Rincon Catering. And I want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and & Weicker Insurance Services, our podcasting partner, Pull String Press, and Cielo24, who provides the searchable captions for the show. The 805 Connect project, which is now, we're in our third year, is supported by partners and sponsors like Rincon throughout the region. I want to thank all of them as well. More information, and if you're interested in partnering with us, supporting our mission, Go to 805connect.com. All the information is there. Also, listener, we could use your support uh, as we're growing, and the show is growing every single week, um, more and more and more. The way you could help us is on iTunes or SoundCloud or uh, Google Play. We're just up on Google Play now. Uh, Give us a rating or a review. That helps a lot in the recommendation engine that recommends the show to other people who may be looking for uh, this kind of show. And I'd love to hear from you personally. So you can please introduce yourself to me through an email. I'm mark at 805connect.com. Let me know what you like about the show or suggest a guest. I like that. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. Mm